on October 31st of this year, fearing that I might have some trick-or-treaters knocking on my door and having nothing in the house, I thought I'd better run out and get some Halloween candy. Went to three different stores, and in the first two, the Halloween candy was already gone. And what was on the shelves was Christmas candy. And I thought, great, I'm going to have to give out like little snowmen and things for Halloween. You know, every year about this time, the uh, commercial world turns to thoughts of Christmas and we begin to gird our loins for the Black Friday onslaught. But also during this time, as the church's year winds down, our liturgical readings turn to eschatology, the consideration of the last things. Contemplation of the end time, or at least the end times, always makes people nervous. Both our first reading from Daniel and our gospel from Mark are prophecies of God's final judgment. Much of what Daniel wrote was, like this section, a promise of God's ultimate justice. And that's really what the final judgment is all about, the triumph of justice. Why do you suppose then that so many Christians look forward to the coming of judgment with fear and loathing? The early Christian community in our first centuries looked for the coming of God's reign with great joy. Perhaps the reason is that that early Christian community was struggling and persecuted and today, maybe we're a little too comfortable. Both this section of Daniel and our gospel reading from Mark are what is called apocalyptic writing. Most of the prose like this is conveniently contained in the book of Revelation, but periodically you can find examples of it that have escaped to other parts of the Bible. Some Christian traditions would have us pore over these texts looking for clues to our own approaching end. But that's not the Catholic understanding of how apocalyptic literature works. Apocalyptic literature begins with a retelling of recent history in the form of dire predictions about the future. And in, in both what we have today from Daniel and Mark, we are joining the story after that part of the structure. Now for their original readers, this past told as future would lend credibility to what would follow. They would see themselves and their situation in reference to wars and pestilence and especially the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Again, it's a reference to recent events written as if it were a prediction of something happening in the future. And then what follows is the reassurance that God is about to step in and bring justice and victory. Just as the situation looks most dark and hopeless, God will raise the dead, punish the wicked, and send messengers to rescue the faithful. If you wanted to have a, like a single phrase to summarize this, it would basically be, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but it will get better. Now, rather than inspiring dread and paranoia, apocalyptic writings are supposed to be encouraging and hopeful. And of course, that only works really if we see ourselves at that turning point of history when evil is vanquished and God's reign is being established. 
Now, taken within the context of the whole of the scriptures, this apocalyptic stuff is a bit conflicting, to say the least. Because on the one hand, in the gospel in multiple places, it says, in effect, you won't know the day or the hour, and you won't be given any signs, because God's reign comes as a thief in the night, and the timing's up to God alone, and even the Son doesn't know. On the other hand, these passages seem to say, here are some signs to watch out for, and here's how you'll know the end is near. So what do we do, and how do we live? Occasionally, one of our evangelical brothers and sisters will ask me if I believe that we're living in the end times. And I always respond, yes, of course. Because for us, those end times stretch from the ascension of Christ into heaven until he returns. So yes, these are the end times. They have always been the end times. And tomorrow is going to be the end times too. Do I think that the end is coming soon? I think it doesn't matter. And let me explain why. The fact is, I could be run over by a bus crossing Husik Street tomorrow, and for me, that's the end of time. So am I going to live my life differently because Gabriel's trumpet could blow tomorrow than I'd live because I could be hit by a bus tomorrow? No, of course not. Life as we experience it is a fleeting gift for any of us. And so we ought to be living every day prepared for Christ's return, either his return to us or our return to him. Now, that doesn't mean you should run out on Monday morning and cash in your 401k. We do still have to plan for the future. We still have work to do to establish justice and equity in the world. We still have to come to the aid of the poor, and we have to work to heal each other's brokenness. God's reign is begun among us, but it's not here in its fullness. And we don't bring God's reign, despite the words of the popular hymn, City of God, we don't build it, God does. But God does ask us to cooperate with the construction. Daniel and Mark wrote these apocalyptic passages not to inspire fear in their people and not to make them passive as they await rescue. They wrote to help their people and us See that we are at a critical turning point in history. God is at work in our world building God's kingdom. And so our task is to cooperate with its approach, living lives that show that we believe it. Fear and passivity and confusion won't do it. What's needed is trust, action, and a clear sense of our own mission to usher in God's reign of justice and peace for all people.